should you decide to accept it. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, it's been four months. January, February, March. Time is meaningless. I so we last recorded. We last recorded in November, sometime I believe. But so it's been four months for us. But I think I we recorded a bunch and then I set them all out into the ether over time. So I think it's been about three months since one has come out. And of course, because we're doing this live and then I have to edit it later, basically whenever I get around to editing it and uploading it is when you might actually be listening to this. God knows when you're actually listening to this. Yeah. All 15 to 25 of you on any given episode, but much appreciated regardless. And welcome back. And Ryan, if you could kick it off and talk to us a little bit about the record we're doing. I, I was going to leave that to Toma, yeah. other than the fact that this this week is... Uh... A little bit of King Giz. We dipped our toes in the King Giz water. Right on. Yeah. I, I guess I could try to do the Lewis thing where I say, welcome back to your mission pod, season three, episode one. We're digging into King Giz, Butterfly 3000, released in 2021. I don't know how good of a job I did. I tried to make my tone deep. It is what it is. <laughs> you're, what no, you're no Elizabeth Smart, uh, Jenny, but... Uh... No. Well, you know, I wouldn't want to be, so that's good. <laughs> Thank God. I almost wore a black turtleneck, and now I'm really glad I didn't, honestly. <laughs> you just uh, gotta uh, get your voice whew. down uh, here. Uh. No, last minute I went with the, the Bryn Parrot uh, cat house. Yeah, you can't really see it, but whatevs. Yeah, last minute album, or wardrobe change. Thank God. That would have been really awkward when I denied wanting to be like Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> at, while wearing a black turtleneck. All right. I have compiled some... Oh, do y'all remember that song? I can't remember his name, the British guy, but it was called Man's Not Hot. Do you remember that? No? No. All right. Well, you can internet it sometime. It was a thing on the internet for a blip a few years ago. It, it was this British rapper. A British rapper. Man? It was called Man's Not Hot. Shaq? Man's Not Hot? Big Shaq. Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Big Shaq. That's right. That's Big right. Shaq. Okay, so... There's this lyric in there where he says, I can't remember the exact numbers, but he's five plus three plus two. And he goes, quick maths, like that. Quick and math. so I've done my version of quick maths, but I made some King Giz quick facts because I wanna, don't want to drag on about this forever. Okay. But some quick, here are my quick facts TM. All right, so King, Bi- King Giz, we're all familiar, but it's an Australian six piece now because Eric Moore left in Late 2020? Early 2021? And I believe that this album, Butterfly 3000, I think is the first studio without him. I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay. Um, This is... What was his instrument or what was his... uh... He was was one of two drummers and the manager slash ran their, the label, Flightless. And in fact, there is some interesting like things online about how like every once in a while someone would say, oh, what does Eric do? And someone actually once said nothing. (laughs) It seems like they had a long history of just like making fun of poor guys. Yeah, fair But uh, if you didn't know, this was news to me. I thought this was interesting. Where their name came from was actually a compromise between two things. They had to apparently find a name for their band suddenly one day. And Stu, the lead person, writer slash vocalist, wanted to call it Gizzard. And one of the other band members wanted to call it Jim Morrison's nickname, which was the Lizard King. So they compromised and came up with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Okay. I thought that was cute. Can, can we, yeah, okay. So let's pause for one second on, and talk about the name. Cause I do have some mm-hmm. thoughts about the name. Okay. This is a cool band. I've been appreciating them for quite a while. It pisses me off that they make me say the name of this band when I talk about them. 
Because this has got to be one of the stupidest fucking names for a band ever. <laughs> I do King Giz, and that's like as much as I'm Bottom willing to 10 do. of like names for a good band. There's plenty of bullshit bands that have stupid names, but this is a good band. And so this is to me in like the Smashing Pumpkins realm of like dumbass name for a pretty cool band. And I resent it a little bit. It annoys me. I'm not going to lie. That's fair enough. I, I resent the length and I just, I will, you know, pretty much always just say King Giz because I'm not saying all that. Right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. I got places to be. I got things <laughs> to do. If I added up all those seconds that I took to say Lizard Wizard. And it's just, okay, I get this is a pretty loose band. They do drugs. They just, they're whatever. Hey, you don't know their sexual history, Alonzo. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming. <laughs> Did you just assume their whole status? Like they have a whole, they have a song called "Catching Smoke" on this record, yeah. where they yeah. talk about they do talk about sipping on hedonism. I'm pretty sure that includes sex, but whatever, man. Hey, look, I'm not right. judging. All I'm saying is that I get that the name delivers the brand, but honestly, the brand is like the least thing I'm interested in with this band. Like I like the music. I, I don't know. Sure. Like, I don't even care about them. They're just a bunch of Australian fun-loving dudes that, like, jam or whatever. Like, the music is actually pretty cool. But, anyway. Sorry, continue. All right, back into the quick facts. This is King Giz's 18th album, and they're basically averaging two a year at this point. Except for that five of them were released in 2017 yeah. in the same year, which is madness. This was just a, this is one of several pandemic records that turned out to be really good, released June 2021. And the origin story is that they were recording some instrumental interludes for Chunky Shrapnel, and they had dreams and some other songs in a major key that were quote unquote clearly wrong for that album, which I agree, fair enough. And then Stu said that we just accidentally made this music that felt like it warranted its own project. And then Shanghai came, and then there were some more, and then finally it was just like, okay, this is enough to hold a record, and we should, ex quote, explore this concept super deeply, which they did, and for which I am grateful because we, I was telling Lewis that Chris and I both really like this one. This has been on heavy rotation for the last several months here in the household, and I'm not tired of it yet, actually, which is pretty impressive considering the play count I've got on this thing, and I am surprised because strictly going by genres, this is not the King Giz album that should be my favorite, but it is. Yeah, I am I am a little surprised because it's yeah. definitely, from in my opinion, more of a pop, more of a pop record than they've done like maybe ever. Yeah, definitely ever. A lot of electronic, which is not normally your bag. No, but the, the joke actually that I read somewhere is that King Giz had too many drummers and too many guitarists, so instead they just decided to have too many keyboardists <laughs> about this album. I mean, <laughs> it, but it also feels like they had one key. They worked yeah. off of one keyboard for the yeah. entire album. Like or, that, yeah. yeah, and one drummer, and they mm. simplified some stuff for sure. They simplified some yeah. stuff. And also, they really lean into the... Woo! And all that shit. Because they have that in some of their other records, but I feel like they've really embraced that one. <laughs> they've really embraced it. And I feel like almost every song has stew hooting or whatever. Which is, hooting, which, which is cool. That. Which is cool. It's cool. They're into it. They're excited. But but was he also hollering? I, <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't think he's hollering at all in this record. 
Yeah, I didn't hear any hollering, but there's definitely some hoots. <laughs> Hooty hoo. Uh, um, anyway, Ryan, what are your thoughts? We'll be here man? all night. You know, Kingiz exists as a band that I can appreciate whenever they're put on, but rarely I find rarely do I find myself drawn to their stuff. The range that they have as a band, of which I guess across 18 albums as of this release and 20 albums as of the end of the month, but helps to have a lot of variety in what you can do in a studio. I really like the whole album, like the album as a whole, if I cut down to a couple of tracks. It's funny, I found myself like cutting out of the beginning and end of the album for the most part. There's a little too much of the same sound through this album, and I don't know if that provides cohesion or beats a dead horse for me. It's hmm. definitely one of the two. It, it makes me think of the way I felt with Daft Punk's Ooh. album after Discovery, where human it's like, okay, human you guys- Human After All? Human After All, uh, yeah. Like, like, all right, you guys found a sound, and you're gonna <laughs> stick with that. Okay. Okay. So um, I see. I interpret that a little bit as a diss, dude. And and because I mean, even after all, maybe one of the worst like follow-ups to like yeah. an amazing record like ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a few songs that I really like on their own, but yeah, it, it kind of it just becomes a little repetitive. Like, it, just becomes a little. Oh, dude, look, there's I, a little I, tunnel vision to this about right? human after all i feel you 100 percent. they use yeah. 10 sounds on the fucking record yeah. and it i okay so little little story about sorry little tangent about human after all is i remember when that shit came out i was so, i'm a super fan like daft punk right. obviously like Disco discovery for me is like top 10 that yeah. right it, it was i was onto it when it came out it was like one, one of my favorites anyway I was anxiously waiting human after all and it fucking went it was, I, well this was back in the downloading days like i remember downloading it and back in the early days like sometimes you would download something and it wasn't what it purported to be it was just like yeah. a, a fake like it was like some release groups would put out like oh this is whatever radiohead's new record and it was radiohead's new record and they just were looking for downloads or props or whatever and when I first downloaded Human After All, I thought it was a troll. I thought, this is not Daft Punk's new record. Fuck, this is no way. And it was. And <laughs> I was shocked because of how simplistic Discovery had all sorts of sounds, influences, concepts, ideas. It was just so big and this thing was like so small and repetitive and ultimately boring. And uh, yeah, bummed out. Bummer. Yeah, and this isn't quite to that level, but as I went through the album, it's it definitely has a, and I don't know if it's like a masterful mix in some places where the transition from song to song is just almost seamless. Mm -hmm. I think about the last two tracks on the album. I'm gonna pull Hello. up the list. You love, you love, you love into what's the very last track? Uh, Butterfly well, if you have dreams into blue morpho is like incredibly. Yeah, that's really dream, cool. yeah. yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. cool. So, can I just bring up that this? I I know it's I don't care, but this is my favorite song on the record. 
Is that cool? Is that okay? I actually thought one of you would like this because it was like more, I felt like it was like more your style than mine. I actually do like this song. It's just not like my favorite, but I figured somebody, one of you two would like this one. It's kind of got a little it's like more of a... Yeah, exactly. There you go. Shake. Yeah, exactly. Shake the shoulder. It's yeah, got it's a sort... smooth, it's got a smoothness to it. Yeah, for sure. It's a little bit of a folky vibe a little it, too. It also feels just slightly a little bit more like R&B than the others to totally. me. Totally. That's such a good call. That's such yeah. a good call. Um, I do like this one. But I tend to grab, you guys can see my list, and, and actually the numbers aren't messed up. I just, I tried for a long time to actually give them a proper ranking, and I gave up. I was like switching back and forth between two songs, trying to, you know, like the, the eye doctors, when I was like, this one or this one? And I was trying really hard to like decide which one ranked higher, and I eventually just gave up. I couldn't do it. This one but, gives me like MGMT congratulations vibes. Too. Oh yeah, especially the high vocals. Yeah, totally, I feel yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, you were going to say something. To your point, Lewis, I just want to say that I think that's dead on. And and honestly, I think that I think they're all of their albums sound that way to me, like every single one of them. I, I tried listening to them all and and some of them I just kind of went. I don't know if this has been a one 15 minute song or three five minute songs. I honestly can't tell. And I don't know. <laughs> And it's, my point locked. is, you're 100, percent but it's not. I don't think that's unique to this one. I think that's just them. I think that's a, a yeah. bug or a feature, depending on how you want to look at it. I think it's, a, it's a feature. I mean, you know, come on. It's a thing. We're not. This isn't Motown like greatest hits or some shit. Like they don't all have to be separate. But uh, so, sorry, Ryan, you were saying something maybe about this song, maybe. Like it again? Like I think on the album, it's good. I don't know. I feel like it's very directly like Indonesian psychedelic music. <laughs> and, and like, not that's a bad thing, but I, I'm not sure I feel that they do anything interesting and unique with it. And I think, so like this like hook, the the little riff in this shows back up. And, oh, it does. Right? Mm -hmm. it a does. couple of yeah. times. A couple more times. Yeah. And I find those more interesting uses of it than, than the song start to finish. Like This song is also, by the way, also my kid's favorite song uh, on the record. Oh, really? But yes. yeah, for sure. <laughs> I also don't like the Shanghai Butterfly rhyme scheme. <laughs> 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 like that... Hey, that hits my ears like a brick. Hey, look, this is <laughs> really. I don't let me like just it. say, let me just say, I agree with you on that. And this isn't a lyric band. If I'm gonna be no, completely, because no, 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 no. if you start looking no. at those lyrics, then you start being like, yeah. yeah. You brought up catching smoke yeah. earlier, and the song is fantastic. The lyrics are like, like a dumb Burning Man. Like it's, I went yeah, to Burning yeah. Man and like I wrote poetry or some shit like. It's bad news. Man. Remind me <laughs> remind me sometime when we're not live to tell you guys a story. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Fair enough. That that doesn't set up anything entertaining no, at all. No, nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Yeah, um, all in all, I think this album plays great start to finish. Yeah. I think when I start picking it apart to pick out tracks is when it starts to fall apart for me. Huh. Like when I have to like say like, all right, this is really because a lot of it is the transition in between the tracks. And like you were saying, Dreams, like Dreams into Blue Morpho, it's like taking the hook and turning it on its head mm. and continuing the song. And that's fantastic. Like, that, Wait till that, you see the music videos. 
Nice. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's literally that. It's a, they made a music video for every song, right? Yep, this album, that is actually, sorry, I guess I didn't finish my quick facts, but this album, I, I should before we get off on a thing, this album happens to be Stu McKenzie's favorite, and he is correct, so he and I agree, best <laughs> one. And there is, as we said, the an animal collective sort of feel to it, but also, the, I think it was the Pitchfork Review noted that their heavy yes influence was on show, and I agree with that. I think nice. that's probably most notable on You Love, and we can talk that about yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's yes in there, and let's see. Every, yeah, every song that got released from this album has a music video, and there's also a companion album that has several remixes of, I think, almost all the songs. So it's a pretty comprehensive body for the speed with which they put this stuff out. Did you guys fuck, um, with, fuck with the remix album? Did you listen to it? I did listen to the remix. I actually prefer all the originals, but it doesn't surprise me. That's I like the originals so much. I'm not sure anyone could have improved on them. Just the, for me, it's they just put personal. out. They put out the the DJ Shadow remix for which song? Hold on, is uh, Black Hot Soup. I mean, and and yeah. that's actually pretty. I actually prefer the DJ Shadow version. It's pretty cool. Oh, but I think I agree with you in general. There there was a dub remix of Shanghai, which Ooh. yikes. <laughs> it, if I'm not like thinking about it and like just trying to enjoy myself and not be critical and not be angry at the world, like it, it probably could hit like a certain way. Yeah. I could appreciate it, but I don't know, dude. It's a little too much. It's just like, like it's Shanghai, but dubbed out Lee Perry style. I listened to a lot of those. It was just kind of like, okay, this is cool. This is a nice vibe, so especially some of the like lo-fi sounding ones. But yeah, it's then cool. it's just also, but also I, I'm just I'm just a purist on this stuff. No, no, I I I I, I, I agree. Like. This is what I would listen to. I would listen to the album versions. But if I had a group of people over or something, like I might opt for one of the lo-fi to make it a little more accessible maybe although but here's the thing it's funny because i felt like in general i could listen to this without paying too much attention to it mm -hmm. um like which differ from congratulations because i feel like like that record like lyrically is actually on a completely different level from this and if you really start getting into it you really start paying attention to the lyrics and i think i'm probably never going to pay attention i i remember I, I i looked on genius when i was listening to catching smoke because yeah. <laughs> I was like, did he say, it cost me $25? I was like, okay, what is he saying there? And I also, havesies. Like, the way, like, the way, the, the term, have, have, havies? Havies? That's some Australian shit, dude. That's some Australian shit. I know. Yeah, I was like, havesies I've heard, havies hits my ear weird. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, speaking of which... This song right here, Blue Morpho, which I believe is on everyone. Yes, it's on everyone's. Okay. It is my favorite. Okay. It so reminds me of some modern Tame Impala shit. Okay. Like... It reminds me of <laughs> Pyramid Song. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember listening to that and thinking, are they having like a kid a amnesiac moment here or something where's this gonna go but it doesn't really go that way but just like where the way it starts with the chords with the piano chords i was a little bit like oh 
I feel like there's some connection. I don't know if it's just in the chord progression or, or what, but that's what I heard at least the first time I heard it. No, that's definitely, I didn't make that connection on my own, but you're way on point with that, I think. So, okay, so uh, Tame Impala, I think you brought up Tame Impala, right? Tame Impala, another Australian band. I can't help but feel like this record was also influenced by, especially the newer Tame Impala stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the sound that I hear a lot of in, in particular tracks. I think I know a, a, a bunch of them. It's different because it's different, and you, you, I can feel the difference just based on the fact that it's six musicians playing their own instruments, where Tame Impala stuff is one guy playing all the instruments, like on the recordings. Yeah. And I think you can hear that. I feel like their sound is not as... Sometimes Tame Impala can sound a little thin. And this doesn't sound thin at all. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Oh, no, it's super dense. And also, one of the things that I think I like about this album is how it is just like, these songs are in a way, they sound like really, the premise of them is basic and predictable. But in, in the execution, there are these tiny little like deviations that I wasn't quite expecting, aren't so, aren't such a deviation that I find it jarring. It's just like enough to keep it really interesting. Like, I think it's yours. I think it's yours. Yeah, it is. That there's there's a downbeat where I keep expecting the next verse to start and it's always just one half beat before that. And it, it's like not enough to bother me, but just enough to be like, ah, oh, damn, that's interesting. Yeah, time signatures all over this record are interesting and they've always been, they've never been a four to the floor always for everything band. And I appreciate that, honestly. Like I, I'm, my ear catches that just having played some drums before back in the day. And yeah, for me, the show here is the way the songs change the kind of weird twists and turns they go to. I'm less interested in the pop stuff. I, but at the same time, I think they can write really good melodies and that's, I think, highly unusual for a band that tries to do the things they do. Mm, agree. Yeah, I'll agree with that. What's your least favorite song on this record? Anybody? Because this is my oh. least favorite song. This is my least favorite song on the record. It might be this one. Which Interior one? People. Interior People. I, I can tell you which ones I, that I, like I actually watched. Oh, really? Oh, okay. There you go. All right. Okay. Um, it's okay. Talk about it, my friend. Defend your life. I don't know. I, I like the upbeat, like, quick pop nature of it. Like, I think it's got a cool progression that plays through the song. The, like, the way that the vocals dance over it reminds me a lot of Prince. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I this one hits Prince. my ear really okay. nicely. Huh. I like this a lot. That's interesting. This seems... The Pitchfork reviewer also said that this was their standout track, so you got really? company, Lewis. It's definitely... Yeah, I, would, I would say it's a standout, but like it doesn't... It sounds pretty different, in other words, I think, from a lot of the rest yeah. of the record. It does... I don't know. What is the thing about this song? I don't particularly think the melody is all that strong, and I feel like it's light in a way that I'm not like expecting from them like yeah so even when they're not heavy they're heavy like cerebral <laughs> and I feel like this song is like one of the more sim one of the simpler poppier songs 
And, this and, one sounded the most like one I might hear on the radio, and I think that's sort of what bugged me a little bit about it, is that it, it reminded me too much of other basic stuff I've heard too much of, maybe? But it's not to say that there's not, like, redeeming stuff in it, because there definitely sure. is. But sure. I think that it just gave me... It gave me the more... The most mildly off-putting vibes of anything else, maybe. It's like, it's just, it's just light and... But, okay, I say that and now we're listening to it. And, of course, it goes in five million directions, too. It's, yeah. not, it's not like... It's not really, like, some sort of pop song or 80s pop song or 90s pop song or whatever. It is it is something they probably they only could have made, but... And I don't have any problem with the arrangement of the instrumentation. I guess I just think it just doesn't have as strong... Maybe it's just... It doesn't have as strong a melody, like, some of the other ones, and it doesn't go nuts like some of the other ones do. And I guess, I guess, I guess one other thing, right? To just give a little context. So my favorite King Giz record is one of the five they put out in 2017 called Flying Microtono Banana. And I come back to that all the time. And it's an interesting story behind the record. You can look it up online, but basically they decided to experiment with microtones and instruments that played microtones. So the songs sound weird, but the songs are really great and they rock, but they're not, it's not distorted rock for the most part. And I think the jams are really cool and interesting and the musicianship is like just on a different level. It's also nice and short, let's say like 40 some minutes. And so for me, like I'm always, and then I've listened to other of their records where they're much heavier or much weirder in a different direction, but like that's the one that for me like hits the most for whatever reason, and I'm always half expecting whenever they put out a new record that it'll sound like that. <laughs> That's my ideal form, platonic ideal form King Giz, is that. And what's interesting, I guess, also is I think they put out two, mi two more microtonal records <laughs> where that was like the theme and not too long ago, and I haven't really listened to them very much, so I don't really have a lot to say. <laughs> but. Flying Microtone Banana, definitely highest recommendation. It's it's money. There's just beautiful, weird, crazy songs on there. I dig it. They they have dropped two singles from their new album, which is coming out, I think, April 22nd. It's, it's going to be out soon. And the, based on the two sig singles, I think it's safe to say that they are not doing another one of these. Not another Butterfly 3000. Yeah, the next one apparently came off of like a jam session with uh, a band called Tropical Fuckstorm. Mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like they put out like, a, I guess they put out like a three song EP with them from the jam session. And then some of the pieces of it turned into this album. Some pieces ended up on the Tropical Fuckstorm album. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. not, not to be confused with tropical lovemaking, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more intense. By the way, this song is, was my kid's second favorite song on the album. Which was their first? Shanghai. Oh, so I, I pulled Chris, and his he said that the first one he came up with was yours, and then Catching Smoke and Blue Morpho and Butterfly 3000. Yeah. Pretty much the same as yeah. me, but yeah. This one I think is funny just because it's like, 
It's dumb as hell, (laughs) but also Chris and I had the whole thing about whether or not he was saying $24 or $25, which is really the dumbest debate, honestly, (laughs) but I swore it was 24 and he's, no, it's 25. Like, why wouldn't you just charge an even 25 for whatever drugs he's got in his pocket? And I'm like, yeah, I would fair, but I swear they're saying 24. Also, 25, that's... You know, you want to charge... That better be some high quality. You just, you want to charge 20. That's one bill. It's not... (laughs) Like, you start getting into two bills, and then you're carrying a fuckload of bills around, and I don't know. But I don't agree with the drug pricing, but... But I feel like this is an anthem. If you were, like, an 18-year-old going to Bonnaroo for the first time, I feel like this would be, like, the perfect anthem for that, you know? This would definitely be that, and... Okay, look, kudos to them using the word ephemeral. Just not not typical. I, I like that word. That's a cool word, and I, good for them. But it's definitely dumb as hell. But it's catchy as fuck. And also, there's that moment in the chorus that it almost switches to like some sort of Bollywood music thing mm-hmm. going on. <laughs> well, and, like this is the song that musically reminds me the most of Battles, which I've also oh. done. good call. Yeah, oh, that's I also totally good that. call. Through some of their stuff in the, the after party. Yeah, I like, I guess that the bands that I've thought of most during this in terms of sound have been Animal Collective and, and Battles. Like, just hmm. that ability to take, like, like you say, a different rhythm, like a different time signature, a different sound, and make, a, make an earworm out of it that, like, sticks with you. And I think start to finish this album's fantastic. Like I said, taking it apart is where it starts to lose me. Yeah, I, I, it's dumb as hell, but definitely, I don't know. I it, think maybe that's the magic, is you just can't look too closely at it. <laughs> well, like, and that, that kind of brings me to another point that I've been trying to figure out how to make, is that, like, this is, like, post-jam band territory. Like, Alonzo made, like, the Grateful Dead reference, but this is, like, a next-generation kind of widespread panic kind of deal. Uh, I would like, say, yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, or, or Fish or something like that, right? It's, like, more. it's ultimately more interesting music to me because oh, yeah. I feel like they have a much better grasp of what they're pulling from, and they're better at making that sound interesting and not just we're gonna play 25 minutes of billy breeze or whatever like <laughs> i can't stand it. hashtag back 40 hashtag hey, back 40. you know what we're never gonna if we need to do another like hate review or some shit like that we can like just spin up oh. any fish record ever dude because and like that was like katie's favorite band when i first met her and it's true love because like we, we're still together despite that shit. Like I mean, <laughs> I still accepted her in spite of that. But yeah, those the, like I hesitate to make the comparison because the thing about it is that these guys, their influences are so much more interesting, and you can hear it in their music, right? Sure, sure, like, sure, sure. The Dead were just into folk music, and I don't know. It's also not that different in that like they're very prolific. Like, true. They find a sound and stick with it for an album. Like, yes, I, I think ultimately it's better. It's like the, whatever that box that exists, like one order outside of jam band that like encompasses all of those different styles of music. Like they're still they're in that box, but I think they're a little bit better. 
I agree. I agree. They're, they're definitely better. And I'm not just saying that to just be like, yo, this is our jam band and it's better than your fucking stupid generation's jam band or whatever. But I, I like the things in common, I think you're 100% right on. They're prolific. They like to jam. They like to tour. Pandemic, despite the pandemic. And also, I think the other thing is too, is if you're going to go to a show, and I've never seen them live, which I need to fix someday. But I've, they're I've, they're going on a tour this year, and there's a I think there's a bunch of dates. I don't know if they're Southwest dates, but there's definitely some. They're West definitely in the Southwest dates. right now, according to YouTube. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I don't know. Like a show in Tempe is still like a flight away. That's not realistically. Oh, I'm not driving there. But I have also, read. Awesome. Uh, I have read that a uh, King is like a, a particularly good live show, and I have well, no reason to doubt that's true. Which and, is the only reason why I'm contemplating going to see them on a Sunday. And that's the thing. I think that's why I would want to see them is because I've heard that too, and I feel like you're probably going to have a good time going to one of their shows. And Alonzo, yeah. I will tell you that it's also been said that they heavily draw from their back catalog. You're oh, likely to hear stuff that uh, you're into. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and if I think I gave, I think I sent you for the after party. I think I sent you a live performance, a recent live performance yeah. where they play a song I really dig. So yeah, no, they for sure. And I think they have like crazy super fans, and so they have to play to them on some level, and they got to play mm-hmm. weird old ones, like. <laughs> Here's another weird comparison, maybe, but follow me on this. Like, Ween. So, Ween uh, is... Every album is different. When they play shows, they play for many hours. And they play from their back catalog like crazy. They're definitely free-spirited and fun. And they've done, like, a country album. They've done, (laughs) like, (laughs) some sort of weird indie pop shit they've done really like hard intense crazy hard rockers they've done punk songs they've done all kinds of stuff and i I think there's probably some common dna there too and their shows are a fun time if you're gonna go to a ween show you're gonna have a fun time it's just gonna be fun i think ween has a (laughs) i should check it out for sure but there's for i think track one or track two off of their record white white pepper is a song called Bananas and Blow, and it's basically like a demented Jimmy Buffett song. And it's fucking hilarious and super great. So I think there's some DNA there. By the way, Catching uh, Smoke on Genius, it says, this song is about smoking weed and ingesting various other illicit substances. <laughs> That's the description of the song. <laughs> I also need to add while we're still on it that this one is, is definitely a contender for my least favorite song. Yes, agree. Which one is this one? 2.02 Killer Year. Yeah, I would agree. Like, this is one that I not only don't think about it, I sometimes don't hear it when I listen to the album. <laughs> I just straight up, my brain shuts it off. And I, as I was listening to it this time, I pulled it up. I was like, all right, it's interesting. Does it take, like, the right amount of, like, journeys that make me want to cut something else out? It does not. It really doesn't. <laughs> so, this is what Stu said about this song. This is the little section of the record that starts zooming out. Or zoning out, mm-hmm. maybe. You've gone inward for a while, and on Catching Smoke, you're on this trip, but now you start thinking about the world. Kill years or times in Earth's history when there's been climactic events or extinction events. 
Oh, whoa, Steve, bring it down. <laughs> and I suppose it's not that deep. I suppose the song is a play on that meaning, meaning that we're in one right now. The song is about planet Earth being in one of those transitory states and how spooky that is. And someone it checked is. on Steve. Steve may not. <laughs> yeah, no, I read that. I read that apparently he has a ton of anxiety about the state of the Earth, and that comes through from time to time. Okay. That's another jam or band thing, all the by time? the way. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely another, yeah, another sure. jam band thing is uh, vaguely... Cons- it's, uh, it's like an episode of Scooby-Doo where you like pull the mask off and you're like, ah, it's been fish all along. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, no, it's like Mother Earth or Guy. It, but it all has to be very vague. It's not, hey, we should do X, Y, and Z to solve these problems. It's all just like, yeah, dude, Earth and we live, we live yeah. in a society and all that shit. <laughs> Can we get... If we can get that printed on the back of this album, this is their blurb. Yeah, yeah, we live in a society. <laughs> like Earth and shit. Your mission pod says, yeah, we live in a society. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so. You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, any, any other... I, I think this one's really interesting. I like Black Hot Soup. I think it's really interesting and mm-hmm. fun. Like, but again, the, I think the entry, like, it's like a mix of like approachable songs and like interesting songs. And the really interesting stuff doesn't really stand up on its own on an EP. And the approachable stuff becomes boring when listed back to back. So, like, the album is a great mix of having fun and focusing up. And it works really well. Oh man, can we also make that like our our yeah. theme? Having fun and focusing up. I love that. I gotta find the list. Punching up. There we go. Focus yeah, up. we're 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 in a society having fun and focusing up. <laughs> we got two out of one episode already. The season three is gonna be jam packed, folks. <laughs> oh. Stay tuned. Man, also I don't know what the hell we're gonna do next time. I feel like I have an idea, but I don't know. What do you mean? For the next episode? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it you? I thought it was me. I think it's me, isn't it? I think it's me, right? Am I wrong? I have no idea. Dude, if you want it, man, it's all good. We could switch. I got options. I've been making a list for okay. the season. All right. Um, okay, yeah. if you got it, then, then, yeah, then, then I think go you get got it. it. Then go get yeah. it. Cool. Right. Give it. I got it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Any anything else? Anything else we've we haven't covered? Any other emergent thoughts? Anything? I don't know if there are any that I haven't already t- ended up accidentally touching upon. Um, I guess we haven't uh, talked about your love, which if you guys don't mind, I'm just gonna skip to and. Cool. Also, can I? Is Blue Morpho? Is the Blue Morpho? Isn't it something in the Venture Brothers? Doesn't Blue Morpho <laughs> come out? I was kind of wondering, wondering where that came from, but let's let's see. Yeah, the Blue Morpho was a famous superhero that once saved the lives of the original Teen Venture. Uh, he was okay. the monarch's father, Blue Morpho. It's a butter. It's a kind of butterfly. Yeah, yeah, it's a kind of butterfly, but it's also yeah. I, I kept having this like twinge in the back of my brain of Venture Brothers knowledge that the Blue Morpho was a component. Of that. <laughs> yeah, it's the monarch's dad. Okay. Yeah. It's a cool show. I haven't thought about it in a while. Uh, they're doing a movie. Really? That's. I think that's their like 
the end of the series is that they're getting supposedly getting a movie that'll probably be the end of it <laughs> paul f tompkins voiced the blue morpho oh okay so, cool yeah oh man old old school adult swim days i remember thee fondly yeah gotta like that one holds up to go back to anywhere oh, in the I have, series I have two thoughts about this one mm. and the first is that in in at least half of it is seems like the other side of the coin like an actually upbeat blue morpho because blue morpho itself is dark and and mildly concerning so mood wise it's they took blue morpho and just flipped it but it also feels to me like a it, the vibes it gives me are like that of a very somewhat weird but also very adult reading rainbow that's what this sounds like to me that has that has also popped into my head a couple times listening since yeah, there's been a couple moments where I walked away from this with the Reading Rainbow song in my head, and I didn't know why. And yeah, this like, makes I need sense. somebody to get LeVar Burton, like, in on this, like, a ASAP. I need a music video with him. Yeah. It's, it's in my top five. I think just for the musicality of it, just the arrangement, yeah. the weirdness, the polyrhythms, all that stuff. But I don't know what the vibe to catch off of this is. I think this is just, like, a psychedelic having a nice time on a pleasant day type of thing and yeah maybe you're right maybe that's it's just like nice little mirror to the morpho or something but yeah and it's got like threads of that same melody in it but it just some it just it sounds happier here for sure they than do, it does they in do, blue morpho they do that in a couple of the records where they'll have a theme or like not like a theme genre topic wise but they'll have like a, a melody that will play multiple songs or connect to another song like almost like a classical piece approach, right? Where there's like a reprise or something like that, or a variation on an older theme or whatever. School, uh, interesting approach. I feel like they pay more attention to their albums as albums than like traditional jam bands do. Probably. I don't know, he's got a lot to say here, but he did say, oh yeah, there's that cookie song that has a nice feeling. Oh, but he's referring to Cookie the guitarist. Cook. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, not Cookie Monster. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. It's Actually, that is, that's true too, and it's probably worth a mention is that they like wrote this back and forth on the internet to each other, like they because it was like right in the middle of the pandemic, and they weren't like collaborating in person, which is interesting. And so Stu was like, "Yeah, I was like me at two a.m. like looping stuff and then sending bits of it internetly to the rest of them." That's a weird, that's a weird approach, but I bet in some way it was interesting and liberating, right? Just like to have to make music that way, which is, I'm sure hmm. not the way they used to make music. Also, it also gives each person like more time. Like it allows you to like take something, listen to it, sit with it instead of having to be like, all right, we're only here for practice for a couple hours. We got to work this out. It right. gives you time. Like, yeah, it, it's also, it's more of a hip hop like methodology in terms of songwriting. I think about what's the band with Nicolay and Fonte, Foreign Exchange, right? That entire album was made with like, Nicolay made the beats, sent them from the Netherlands or wherever he yeah, is to like North Carolina. Fonte writes a bunch of stuff. They just like back and forth, they're like, I think they were mailing stuff still at that point, back and forth. I think, yeah, I think um, that's, I think that's right. I, you know what? I, I think about, I do think about these things of like process a lot, 
And I think one of the things, right, is, okay, when you make software and you work with people from all over the world, you have version control. Basically, you have a way yeah. of, you have a way of working on the same stuff at the same time and being able to merge it together so that you don't, you're not waiting on someone else. You can do your stuff, they can do their stuff, and then it can be merged into the code base. So how does that work? It, like, it probably doesn't work that way with them at all. It's probably just, here's this cool stuff I'm working on, I'm going to hand it off to you, do some cool shit with it, and then hand it off to someone else? I, I don't know, that's maybe... <laughs> I was thinking maybe that would be the way it would work. I don't know, but I just want to add a, a plug for Butterfly 3000, which is that like this is of the shorter songs, like the ones that were more like seemed like in-betweeners, like they weren't like the big full feature focus ones. This one is my favorite and it actually made my playlist yeah. because I just I really like it, even though it's short and it seems more like an interlude than it does a real song, sort of. Yeah, I really it's a nice one. way to close out the record. I like it as a cool and it, it I think feels, so too. It feels Tama and Polly maybe more so than many of the others, I think. These drums feel oh, Tama well, and Polly. He did get the woo in. He did get the woo. He's got, he, he loves the woo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> did you, have you guys actually watched any of the music videos yet besides did, Blue Morpho? I did watch Blue Morpho. I, I really like the, the video. The video for yours is not one of my favorite videos, even though the song is one of my favorites. So I didn't include it because I really stuck with the videos that I thought were most interesting. But uh, I really love like him on the piano just doing the woo. It's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll see. Yeah, actually, I didn't know. I didn't want to distract us like the whole time. But I can play all the. Yeah. I can play all the video. But anyway, okay. Let's rate it. Let's rate it. Unless you guys have. I guess we all talked about. Maybe I, I don't know, Ryan. I don't know if you, Ryan, is yours your favorite song on the record? Did you talk about your favorite song on the record? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what my favorite. I don't know that I can pinpoint a favorite song. Got it. I just, I think songs like, much like You Love and Butterfly 3000, there's a lot of them that I find hard to separate. Like Dreams into Blue Morpho. It just felt like I was, I had too many tracks and I had yeah. to cut it out. But yeah, I don't know. Blue Morpho is really good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's no, fine. You don't have favorite. to have an answer. Okay, then let's rate this. And Jenny, I'm happy to start, if you don't mind. I mean, mine sh Yeah, go ahead. So, I've listened to several of their records. I haven't listened to every single one, but I've listened to several of their records. This is a cool, interesting detour for them. It's neat that they made this during the pandemic. Some of their catchiest songs ever, I think, are probably on this record. And I think we identified a ton of the influences, and I think they're obviously fantastic musicians and all that. I think for me, like, this is probably a 3.5 out of 5. And then maybe that's a little low, but I think they're capable of doing almost genius level musicianship. And, and this was, this is fun. This is cool. I could probably put this on at a party and it would work. And that's cool. I guess just for me, compared to the rest of their shit, it, it feels, it felt a little slight. And, but okay, but I will say this, the kids really liked this album and they liked it probably better than, I don't know how many records we've done recently. <laughs> this is their favorite for sure. And there's no doubt. So I think that's worth something. Keeping the peace in the car is, that's a positive for me. <laughs> 
Well. This was a Chris favorite too. Not everything is, but this is definitely a Chris favorite. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, 3.5 for me. Sits in about the same place for me. Like it's, I'd say like 3.5. Like it's definitely one that's gonna stay in rotation as a full album. Yeah, I don't know. Aubrey really liked it. There were a couple of points where she was hearing it and was like, yeah, this is really good. This is a pod project. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it's like, it doesn't blow me away. It doesn't like, it's not something that I can't step away from, but I really enjoy it. So yeah, 3.5 3 I think is where it stands. I'm just gonna go ahead and give this one a five because I, I, I tried really hard to start like, plotting out like exactly like putting them in an actual order and assigning them like point values and after a while it just got I think I tried for half an hour and then I just gave up because there's something I have my core group which is at least 75% of the songs of the album that I just really like a lot and then even ones that I don't like if I really went back and listened to them I say don't like, like I'd leave them off my playlist or I, I might not pay attention to them. But if I did go back and pay attention to them, I could find something in there. To, it just wasn't as much. It wasn't a hundred percent of stuff to like. It was 50 or 75% of stuff to like. So I gave up. I'm just going to give it a five because I really like it a whole lot. And I think it's weird. I did sit down and listen to all the King Giz albums. And I really, like I said, I really thought that I would like one of the other ones better mm -hmm. because this is not my genre. We all know that. <laughs> this is definitely not it. And the sound of the others, I think I had a pretty similar reaction to this, the sound of the others, which is just, oh, this is a great sound. Like this sound is very cool. I'm mm -hmm. into this sound. But then it just seemed that there's a few exceptions. Like I have a few on my playlist from the other albums, but by and large, even though the sound is very cool, I feel like the songs themselves just didn't grab me quite the way that the songs on this album did. And I, I don't know why that is exactly, other than I think it's remarkable that any band made an album in this genre, in this style, and managed to make it one that I really like. I think that's what's probably most I think, impressive. I think that's super cool. I think too, maybe, with the what, as far as like the songs go and stuff, it might be easier, a little easier to approach these songs than some of the other King Giz songs, like on the first or second or third go, just because they're like I think it's their poppiest record ever. I, I don't know, like. Yeah, but again, that's I usually listened, like, that's I usually listened, um. I haven't listened to every single one, but for me. It's oh, it the is. It's their poppiest. I think the closest they even come to this was, what was it, the 2015 one, Paper Mache, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that was poppy, but it was very much acoustic, and it was, like, not, obviously not electric in the slightest. Yeah, right. But other than that, no, there's nothing else that comes close to this. And I, I think that, um... What was I just gonna say? Shit, I lost it already. <laughs> I was gonna... Well, I was gonna say is just, with some of the other records, and, and again, I'll, I'm gonna ride for... Flying Microtonal Banana, but that one, it took me probably four or five lessons before I was just like, wow, this is fucking mind-blowingly good. And it's just because I, I, I don't think there are, a lot of those songs are not, I wouldn't say easy to listen to, <laughs> but it's yeah. just like, but it's after a while, like they just, you just start hearing things. You just start hearing uh, change ups, changes in time signature, arrangements, weird yeah. instruments, and you're just like, oh, okay, I get it. So I, I feel like this record is just, 
it's just a lot more accessible in general. Not just you, just like for anybody. And there's no yeah. doubt, like my kids like it. Like, yeah, that they're is, not that's, super that's into just it. it though. Is that normally like the label pop is usually like a bad thing for me. You know? <laughs> that's I guess why it's so yeah. weird. It is what it is. I, uh, there's a lot of whatever pop music that I really like. And I love strong, easy to digest melodies. I think that's, those strong melodies are the melodies that like, lots of people can appreciate together. And I like that. That's to me a really important part of listening to music is like enjoying it with lots of people. But yeah, nothing, no, nothing I, like I, I, enjoying a good pop song over fears of climate change. Nothing like a, <laughs> a good balancing out. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Uh, I, oh, let's. Hey, let's tease next time. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, digging around through what has been pop popping around in my head for the last few months and what we can listen to. It's similar vein as this, but maybe a little a little less electronic for this album. Toro Imois 2015. What for? Cool. It's his departure from like electronic kind of R&B dance, more dancey stuff, and more into the like psychedelic rock stuff that he does with the Matson Two. A couple years later, yeah, it's really good. It's pretty short. It's only like 36 minutes long, like 10 tracks. But uh, yeah, nice. right on. Okay, that's cool. And I think the plan is to go in two weeks. Is that right? Is that what we decided? I, I think can't so. Remember. I think it was next weekend that was bad for Lewis and I. Yeah, next weekend's no good for me. Okay, yeah, I think the 16th. We'll be back on the... We'll literally be uh, at a sausage party, <laughs> making sausage with our hands. Okay. Nice. <laughs> okay. So we're well, going to do it the next, or the Saturday after next? The 16th is a Sunday, I believe. The 17th is a Sunday. That's Easter Sunday. Okay, sorry. The 16th is Saturday. Are you, do, you, do you celebrate Easter? Is that, when did you start doing that? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm um, looking I at don't. a calendar and it's telling me that's Easter Sunday. Okay, all right. I, yeah, like... I don't celebrate Easter as like a religious holiday. I do use it as an excuse to make a big dinner because I'm just into food. Hey, no, that's all good. That's all like, good. Trust we're... me, like deviled, like deviled eggs, man. Are you kidding? I am not turning down that opportunity. We're all godless heathens here. And my ramps are coming up and I need something to do with ramps. Man, those two combined could ramps. be a wonderful thing. Ramps. Yeah, sweet. Okay, so let's, let's take... We got a gun for it either.